welcome into Inside LAFC. This is a tough one. We know it as LAFC's MLS season is now over. Losing to the Seattle Sounders up at their place. Three to one. Seattle moves on to the Western Conference semifinals where they will host FC Dallas. That's neither here nor there. Coming up, I will be joined by Mark Rogandino, who knows his club as well as I do. Part of our YouTube TV broadcast team. Also part of the ESPN 710 radio pre and post game. And uh, it's tough. I know we all feel it. I know we have that feeling right now where it, we feel rotten and we've invested a lot of time. And now we've got to find other places to invest some of that. Although we do have a CONCACAF Champions League uh, coming up in December. And as you'll find out in our conversation, there's optimism there because things are poised and placed in a certain way where it could benefit LAFC to have a tournament run. But let's look back to what happened. And I'm not going to deal too much in the, the tactics and the X's and the O's, so to speak. We'll go a little further into that with Mark. But uh, this was obviously a challenging season. It's snake bit season without the internationals. And then no Danny Masovsky. Uh, we knew that LAC had to keep it close to the vest. They had to play a different way than they are accustomed because they didn't have Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez. Diego Rossi the two of them and Diego Rossi in particular set the table for what LAFC does. And you just can't replace that because they are pretty unique talents when it comes to that. Seattle is what I wanted to talk about a little because there's a lesson there for LAFC to follow. The Seattle Sounders came into major league soccer in 2009, much like LAFC did in 2018. And when they arrived, they, didn't look, they weren't an expansion team. They made the playoffs. They made the playoffs every year. They made the playoffs every year, every year from since 2009 until 2020. They never made an MLS cup. They had playoff disappointment. They got knocked out, upset, surprised in the quarterfinals or the semifinals, never made MLS cup. And then one year they did 2016 as a four seed in the West made it to MLS Cup, and they won it. And then they made it back to MLS Cup a year later. And then they made it back two years after that in 2019, and they won a second MLS Cup. And the lesson here is Seattle is the gold standard for teams coming in here and probably the best club Major League Soccer has seen based on their body of work. But there is a trajectory that LAFC can follow. 2020 was a real rough season. Seattle had really rough seasons on their way to finally making it to an MLS Cup. But LAFC, you have to be optimistic about the way they have built this. Uh, 2019, nothing could go wrong. And we always knew that it would never always be this good. And it wasn't in 2020, but they still were a playoff team, granted in an expanded playoff format. And they still have the ambition and they still have an incredible support system that this team, much like Seattle, there are so many similarities. And I encourage you, you obviously feel disappointed, but be encouraged that this club is doing everything in its power, much like Seattle did, to remain at the top. And I think they'll certainly stay there. And at some point, things will fall into place where LAFC will win an MLS Cup, hopefully sooner than later. We do have the CONCACAF Champions League, and we'll talk about that a little bit with Mark coming up here. Um we know we miss those players. Uh, Carlos Vela, it was always going to be tough for him to be the 2019 Vela, especially without the, 
the duo we mentioned around him. Stop start season. Uh, he, listening to Bob Bradley speak in his post game presser, he was happy about the way they responded in certain spots. It's as at one point, you know, Seattle was really in a dominant position, and then LAFC still got the penalty. And even till the very end of the game, LAFC were in touch and they had a shot. They got it to 2 1, and then they allowed that goal by Jordan Mars. It's a really good Seattle team, but LAFC, I. Again, you have to be uh, pleased with the spirit they showed till the very end. Uh, before we bring in Mark to talk more about LAFC, I did want to uh, uh, share something as the news just broke right before I started recording here about Diego Armando Maradona, who uh, we lost here today at the age of 60. Uh, it's not a huge surprise because he has dealt with health many times. It is surprising, but it isn't in that sense. And I remember when I worked at Fox Soccer Channel, we had a, a partner in Torneos y Competencia, which is in Argentina. This was about 20 years ago. And Diego Maradona was calling from his deathbed. He was deathly ill. And people in Argentina were preparing for it. And in Argentina, this is the figure uh, beloved by so many over generations. And the, 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 the myth goes on and the stories go on. And he found a way to prop himself up. And it looked like he had more health issues just a few years ago and he, and he pushed them back. And eventually he was unfortunate to succumb to them. But I will say this, and there's debates about the greatest of all time. And my goodness, Diego Maradona had his flaws and there's many things he did that, uh, you know, his support of uh, Fidel Castro, who is a Cuban uh, is, you know, fears fills me with anger, but as a football player, I have never seen his like. He had that edge. He, he was charismatic. He was skillful beyond any other player. But it was that will to win and that passion to win that separated him. The point where he won a World Cup. I hate to say single-handedly, he did have a good team. But it really was him driving him forward. Getting to a World Cup final four years later lifting a team like Napoli and becoming a legend in the Neapolitan part of, of Italy because of what he did. This man was the greatest football player I have ever seen. And I will argue to anyone who tells me it's somebody else. Diego Maradona was a gift, gifted by God to be this great football player. And he was, and he is going to be missed. And I am so honored to say I was able to watch him play. And if you haven't been able to watch him play, go to YouTube, the documentary on HBO, watch what this guy was all about because it was singular and we'll never see his likes again because he had the skills of Lionel Messi, but he had the win at all cost skills like a Tiger Woods or a Michael Jordan. He had it all. He had some demons, but he had it all as a player, which to me separate him a top. We'll be right back with much more Inside LAFC as we will bring in the studio host of our YouTube TV coverage, Mark Rogandino, to talk about the LAFC defeat to Seattle and what to look ahead to. Welcome back Inside LAFC. And we're going to be here throughout as we're going to have good conversations with great guests like we're going to do it today. Mark Rogandino, my TV partner this season. This was a unique year, certainly, for what we did 
um, Mark. And I thought it brought us really closer together. In a, it is, it, we just didn't know. So we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the season. But I, I know we didn't really flesh that out a bit. But that was really a, an experience that I will remember fondly because it felt like we – we found a way every time during cancellations and postponements and reschedulings of the game. We had a good spirit. We came together and uh, watching LAFC on a regular basis, whether it, it, in victory or defeat, it, it, it brought together us all. We had some good plus ones and it was, it filled me with a lot of energy. Wow, uh, that's quite the introduction and quite the welcoming here. Uh, <laughs> that's how I the, roll. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, tw- 2020 has been different for everybody, Max, but also uh, it has forced us to adapt on the fly, right? It has forced us to do things in a different way that maybe we never visualized, maybe we never thought of previously. And so consequently, um, that has almost maybe taught us some new things, uh, especially when it came to us putting together our broadcasts. As you and I both know, guys like Ulysses Roman, uh, Bernard Worrell, they've been the backbone of our operation for what we've done uh, at YouTube TV covering LAFC. So a tip of the cap to those guys for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been very different, but it's also been interesting in that we've, we've had to come up with new resources and come up with new ways to tell our story. And... Um, you know, I wish we were still going to have the opportunity to continue to to tell the story of the 2020 MLS season with with that LAFC paintbrush. Uh, but obviously on the field, things have gone in a different direction. And um, I will be counting the days until we get an opportunity to step back on the small screen in 2021. The small screen. I, I want to I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I don't think I have on this podcast, but Bernard Worrell, our producer, he did some he did some work here that I've never really seen, and I've been in the business a long time. So I would bring up the situation with the San Jose Earthquakes game, the the next the penultimate game we had, which was uh, taken off the board, postponed officially, and we thought it would be canceled. And then we found out 24 hours prior that they wanted to play it, so we had to shuffle. And then he puts together a broadcast that was pretty seamless. It just doesn't work that way, but he made it look seamless. So I think giving props to those guys was incredible because 24 hours, we I assume we weren't doing it. We got the word and we all came together and we pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's something he's been doing for us for three years. But that's isn't that part of the TV magic, Max, is that a lot of people don't see all of the bends in the road and all of the detour signs that we hit even before COVID here in 2020, uh, that guys like that, Bernard, Ulysses Roman, uh, you know, even having Javrina Catalina not with us so much this season, but what she does out on the road and, you know, taking the, the, the backpack with her that has all the equipment to plug in a stadium so that she can be part of our broadcast and hit the uplink. I mean, there's so many things that people behind the scenes don't have an opportunity to even understand, let alone see. And yet it all is a piece of the puzzle. It makes it all come together when the end product goes out over YouTube TV. Yeah, we're very proud of the work that everyone does. And I just tip my hat off, as, as Mark said, to all those folks that make it possible, especially when they do it on such short notice. I would, uh, I, I know I'm in the right place because it, it, the way I feel the day after, and we're recording this the day after LAFC's defeat to the Seattle Sounders, how it hurts so much. And, you know, watching your team, and I, I have a lot of pro teams and I've kind of, jettisoned them over the years but LAFC obviously working with them it's it causes such a tangible reaction when they lose and obviously the opposite when they win and we we can break it into this game but this was we can talk about what happened 
in, in more specifics here, but this is, I know people are hurting out there and this was, uh, it's tough to not be part of that party, especially when you, you look at the next day and they announce the pairings or the times and the dates for the quarterfinals. And we didn't get an MLS's back. We made the quarterfinals there, but we don't go through. So it's, it's difficult to see that and not be part of it. This was, this game was strange. We, we just didn't know how to prepare. Their stars really came out in a big way. All three of the big guys at front all scored a goal. And LAFC, although they, you know, Carlos Velo, they were, he was trying to get in positions where he could be effective. You knew you couldn't do that for 90 minutes, but he still had his moments. But this is, it's obviously frustrating, but I think it's also frustrating when you look at it. There was a couple episodes there where it's pretty close where LAFC had a chance to maybe force extra time to extend the season somehow, even though it would appear Seattle were getting great opportunities. Uh, I think I, I can agree with some of that. Yes. Um, but I think that number one, Seattle were, and, and I saw your tweet on social media. I put, I put one out similar kind of exchanging with some other folks that we know uh, Seattle were the, the deserved team last night. They, they were the better team on the field. Uh, they're, you're exactly right. When you say their stars showed up and their stars made the difference uh, part of it is, and it's not an excuse, is we were without some of our stars. To have four starters not available to our club, um, I think, started us with, you know, one foot tied behind our, our back. And so, and I think that, I think that for me, that was part of the reason LAFC never even got into fifth gear, especially in the fifth, in the first half, uh, was a little bit of a hangover or a little bit of a dark cloud over them not having those four starters. You could argue that, you know, you can replace Jose Cifuentes because you have Mark Anthony K coming back into the fold, but was Mac completely 100% healthy? I think in, in seeing how he played, he, the effort was there, but he, he was not 100% healthy on and no the one, ankle. And probably no one could have expected that he'd come out gangbusters. It just doesn't happen that way. Right. And so, um, and then you go to left back, you go to Cheeky Palacios. I, I thought Jordan Harvey was fine, you know, or if, had you plugged in Mohamed El Munir, you know, he, he could be fine as well for, for 60 minutes plus. Um, the big one, obviously, is Diego Rossi. The guy is awarded the MLS Young Player of the Year. He, he leads the league in goals and wins the golden boot. He had been the... He had been the, the lightning rod of our team all season long, every time he was on the field. And so to not have that guy in there, I think, made the biggest difference. And whether the players would admit it to a man or not, I think that it had some sort of hangover on them. And I think that was part of the reason that they they ne they never were the LAFC team that we have seen firing on all cylinders last night. They never were that team. They maybe had one or two sequences where they played well and, and they – in the first half, they were get they were getting beat to the ball almost every single time. In especially in the opening, you know, in the opening twenty minutes, that included the goal from Nico Ladero. And so, uh, I just I just thought, and and when you got that gift, when you got that gift in the twentieth minute to try and have a penalty kick to equalize right after Seattle had clearly taken some momentum and put the first goal away of the game, and and Carlos strikes it the way he does. I mean, he's going to be thinking about that penalty kick because that was not in Carlos Vela fashion. That was, it was poor. There's no other way to put it. It was poor and it, it's going to hurt. He's going to think about that. I know he is because he's, you know, he strives to be the best and he is one of the best in our league without question, but that was not his best last night. Uh, I, I found it really odd. Uh, you know, that's the first penalty kick max he took all season, obviously because of his limited time. 
And I remember Diego Rossi was cut crushing penalty kicks left and right anytime he got an opportunity. Do you think uh, a twist that probably would have made sense? I, I understand to take the penalty, but I understand the process there. Carlos Vela is close to yes, no. healed. He's the captain. Yeah, the captain. absolutely. I get it. I get it why he stepped, stepped up and took it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's how the sequence of the moments play out in 2020. Right. And, and he will think about that penalty kick because I don't know about you. We watch a lot of soccer. We've covered a lot of soccer. Tell me the last time you saw the goalkeeper slide one step to his left and catch it, catch no it. rebound, no, no parry, but absolutely catch it and hold on to it. That never happens ever. And Carlos Vela slowly, making his way. It's just not the 2019. I knew that with Carlos, it, you could not expect this breathtaking performance that you saw from a year ago. It just wasn't in the cards. It's not that season. Maybe 2021, he can revert to that. They did a nice job of finding little spots, moving him to a central role, as Bob Bradley talked about in the post-conference, uh, the post-press conference, to get him some more touches. And he was able to do that, but I think we saw a, a Carlos Vela guy, a, a performance that just wasn't ready to be comprehensive. They got the gift. It was a really bad penalty. LAFC still were able to battle there, but I kind of went how I, ex I, I kind of went expected. I would like to say Carlos did play well. I think he had those moments certainly in the second half, but it was hard without Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez to kind of cover him to in addition to not being the 100% Carlos Vela from 2019 to have an effective game. You know, you know, what's the, the thing where you realize with the addition of either one of the two would have been fine. Either the addition of a Diego Rodriguez or Brian Rodriguez would have made a huge difference is Diego because Rossi. Diego him. Rossi, excuse yeah. me, Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez. Diego, uh, I know a Diego Rodriguez <laughs> over in Downey. <laughs> the, the difference is, is that going into this game, to play really, really well together. And so, and I thought there was going to be limited tape on those two guys, and that would be an advantage for LAFC. But they did not, they did not, from the get-go, they did not match like I was expecting to see them at all. And that was really surprising for me. I mean, they're different players, but in the sense, when they play in LAFC's formation, they both play a true number nine, right? They play usually at the tip of the, tip of the formation. Um, and Carlos Vela, yes, he drifts out wide and then attacks from a wide position. But had you had a Rossi or a Rodriguez in there, you would have taken so much focus to that player attacking from the other wide side that I think it would have opened more up for Vela. It would have opened more up for Bradley Wright Phillips centrally. And we didn't see that at all. Apologize. We lost you for a split second, but we got the gist of what you were saying. And I, I think when you, you look at like we had both of them, obviously Brian Rodriguez, and we're not making excuses, but you've pointed out, I think it was a, it was a really solid point when you say LAFC can't play the way they're accustomed to playing without those guys, because with Christian Torres and BWP and BWP, when it, when it was looking like it was a game that it was going in that direction, it, it, you knew you had to bring somebody who could push a little bit more. And Mahala was the one guy who was available who could do that, but they, they held back. Taylor Twelman said they played in a bit of a mid-block by necessity because they didn't have these guys. Diego Rossi sets the press and everyone follows. He pushes all the way there. So when the defenders and the goalkeepers start playing it around, he's on them. And we didn't see that high press because you didn't have a guy with world-cast speed and fitness like Diego Rossi. And Brian's right there to him. And I miss them. We certainly missed them both. But without Diego Rossi leading that front with that, the rest – 
was, wasn't able to fall in place. And it just really reminded me how important he is to this team and how important that's he is to any kind of style of play and how individual, how singular he is when I think of players who do what he does, which is 90 minutes, nonstop work, run, push, press. And that opens things up for a team. And LAFC had to concede a lot of possession. I think that at one point it was like 61% possession to Seattle, which was unheard of. No, early in the first half, yes. it was 70% possession 70%. to Seattle. And then it came down almost 50-50 by the end of the game. Because Correct. And LAC just didn't have the, the players to do that press, which they usually do, when they normally have. And that's why they had Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez, to be able to apply that. And they didn't have it tonight. They didn't have it last night. Well, well and I think when you make the point about Rossi being all the way high up top and then the other guys following in, in who would, first of all, who would have thought that we'd be talking about Rossi and how he starts things defensively for LAFC, but you're exactly right because he has the pace. He has the speed to be able to cover spaces and then LAFC can try and have guys behind him to try and pinch teams into corners, right? Cause that's how, that's how Bob Bradley wants him to win the ball back closer to the other team's goal. So you don't have as far to travel, but I will say this, Max going one line behind those guys. When you talk about the midfield and this is where I thought the game would be won or lost was whoever's midfield dictated the tempo, dictate the terms better in this game. That was a team that was going to win. So we had Latif, Atuesta, and Mark Anthony Kay, and there's our three, you know, quote-unquote midfield positions. Obviously, it's the defenders filling in gaps and also coming to help out in the midfield that make the big difference. But that those three needed to have – without Rossi and Rodriguez, those three needed to have almost perfect games. And that was, that was not the case. It was, you know, it just, it wasn't as clean as it could have been. The movement of the ball was, it was not clean. The first touches sometimes were getting away from them and, or, you know, or too slow sticking on their foot. And all of a sudden then they're closed down and it's the sounders that are forcing the turnovers and going back in the other direction. The sounders for all the possession they had, they were also hitting on counters. So not only were they dictating terms with possession, they were also when LAFC would try and move up the field and get into the attacking end or right on the periphery of the attacking third, all of a sudden they would lose it in the middle part of the park. And it was the Sounders that were off and running and they were getting their own counterattacking chances on top of the possession that they had. It was a real good performance by the Sounders. That was a, a professional effort by a team that knows how to navigate through a playoff. We've seen them do it time and time again. And I talked about that earlier in, in the opening of inside LAFC. It's, um, Despite all that, LAFC were able to get close to one and they allowed that third goal and it kind of got away. As Seattle was the better team, they hit the post a couple of times and they were going to win it. Uh, let's look at this team and put a bow on it. To me, it was oh, look, everything that they did. They wanted to do, they wanted to be successful in 2020, but they didn't rush guys back from injury. They let everyone do international duty without any, they, there was no pushback. They said, you guys representing your country, you do that. And that obviously came back. Uh, to hit them in, in the worst way because you, you knew COVID was uh, a possibility. I, I, I know Bob Bradley was preparing, saying there's a chance that all four will be unavailable. So I'm going forward knowing they're not going to be here possibly. And it turned out all four were uh, hit by COVID. And all of these things kind of give you the feeling that it was just a snake bit season for LAFC. And they just couldn't quite get up and at them for any duration for two weeks, three weeks in a row. That said, I know when they built this team, they were look, they're looking to 2021 to being reunited with the 3252, to being back at that stadium, hopefully with a, a full house uh, at some point in the year. 
and getting these young players a year wiser. I mean, there's no excuse for young players. There's young players excelling all over the league, but this is a unique circumstance because there's these guys from South America coming, but every game and every experience uh, makes a difference. And I know when I, we spoke to Jose Cifuentes early in the year, he was saying the Orlando experience got him closer to the team because he didn't know anybody on the team because this, this is a whole different world. But I, I feel confident that this group, and there will be some changes in the offseason. I don't think a lot, but this group can certainly take the next step with the supervision of Bob Bradley and the coaching. This is a, They still want young guys. Christian Torres, they want to pump guys out of the academy. All these guys will be wiser with this experience in 2020. That applies to everyone in the league, but I think for LAFC, it will have a bigger effect. Yeah, and I think the as I closed the post game show last night, uh, I think you know this is part of the process, right? You think about um, for people that have followed, you know, other sports, you have to sometimes go through those those valleys and get to the bottom of the valley before you can start to climb the mountain on the other side. And I just think that I think that this is this is part of our process, right? We had almost everything go right the first two seasons, setting record historic MLS numbers as an expansion team in 2018, winning the Supporters Shield in 2019, and and you know equaling the number of goals ever scored by a team in one season in MLS. Carlos Vela winning MVP and setting the single season goal scoring mark. And so 2020 was a shot on the chin and a little bit of humble pie. If you, if, if you, if is how I look at it. And so I think it is, I think it's part of the road, right? You know, we, we opened the conversation talking about 2020 teaching us to do things differently in our television broadcast, but I think it's probably the same, same mantra when you're talking about this team, you know, it's, it's learning that you're, you're not always going to have everything going in the right direction. The only stumbling blocks we've had prior to 2020 for this club has been getting, been getting knocked out in the playoffs earlier than we wanted to. That's really it. I mean, we've, we've achieved historic marks across the board with the, with the black and gold. So this, this for me is part of the process. And I, I do think that there will be some changes to the roster um, because, you know, you're already seeing rumblings about, you know, uh, Benfica is trying to look at Brian Rodriguez. We heard, you know, last year in the off season, we heard that, you know, um, there were some Serie A teams that were trying to poach Diego Rossi. Uh, there were some rumblings like after Carlos this season, would he stay in major league soccer? So you're going to hear those types of things. And we know, Max, from being on the inside, that that the lure of having some of these world-class players is going to attract attention from other big leagues around the world. Um, and that's the balancing act that John Thorrington and his staff have to deal with there. Um, and that's a good problem to have. But I think this this the struggles here in 2020 are going to teach us a lot, not just in the short term, but in the long term. With regards to players moving on, I, I hope Diego Rossi retires at LAFC. I know that's probably uh, wishful thinking, but he should go. He Some team, a team that plays in the Champions League, should pursue Diego Rossi. He eats up minutes. He has improved his finishing. The only issue is if LAFC wants to do that, you've got to give them a good offer, and I'm sure those offers have not come in, and it blows my mind because I keep seeing Diego Rossi. Yeah, he's a smaller player, but the guy has a motor. He doesn't quit. He'll give from minute zero to minute 90 to minute 120 if necessary. And if you're a team in Europe that's playing a lot of games and you can have a guy who can eat up those minutes, this is exactly what you're looking for. So I know it's the year of COVID, but I, I hope things are made whole for the club and for Diego Rossi. If he stays here, fantastic. But this is a guy who I think teams should be fighting for. Brian Rodriguez is the more technically gifted guy, but 
Diego Rossi, when it comes to effort, which I think is a, is a, a role that is uh, maybe underappreciated. I don't know for sure. This guy is at the top of the list. I've, I've never seen players like that anywhere that just well, run. Run. I don't know. I don't know if you can, you can, uh, you can quantify what you're talking about, right? You, you got to watch it. Right. Yeah. If you see it and it, it passes the eye test every time. Um, and the thing is, I think Diego actually, uh, listen, I hope Diego is around another season, another couple seasons as well. I think realistically, that's probably not the case because somebody's going to want him in. And you can't blame him for probably at some point wanting to try and imply his trade over there in Europe anyway. Um, but and that's the, the and that's the uh, that was the vision. That's the LAFC. You come here, you do this, and then you this would be an entry point to a, a club in Europe. That's yeah. That's why these these players are coming here, and they want to see it work. That system work, and it has certainly with Diego Rossi. It, it's just the balls in a a club, another team's court. I just hope Max that I hope Max that uh, Carlos has those conversations with Diego with Brian um, Atuesta could probably be included in that bunch as well. That you know we have we have unfinished business here, and let's th- th- those offers will still be there if if you if you take another you take another year another two years here with the club and help them win some silverware. Great scouting in place for LAFC, and that will uh, continue. To, to look for talent as we move forward, as we, we let's put a bow on this season. It, it's obviously um, a frustrating finish. There are some positives. As I said, the development of some of these players, Diego Rossi becoming a big time star in this league, maybe the most valuable player in many ways because of what he did was he was the golden boot in this year, getting wiser, getting smarter, De- dealing through adversity in such a way, I think is, Something that the coaches secretly would probably say, this is, I'm glad we went through this process for that reason, because it's going to, it's going to make the register for these guys. But overall, I, I, frustrations out there, but I would tell folks, be patient. It is a process. LFC has made the postseason all three years. They, they have a certain standard set and other clubs have gone through this process and eventually broken through. And I think LAFC has all the wherewithal to be one of those, whether it's 2021, whether it's 2025, sometimes it, it takes a little longer than you would like, but I think the signs are there in place with what we have, because a lot of clubs don't have that in major league soccer. So I am always optimistic about LAFC in the future. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, it's easy to support your club when you're winning and when you are, you know, knocking teams down by by a four nothing scoreline, a three one scoreline, you know, even when we took down in 2019, when we took down the defending champions Atlanta United in 2019, four three at the bank, and we really had no problem scoring left and right on Raguzan and Atlanta United. It's easy to support your club when you're in those high above the clouds moments, right? It's when you're in moments like this, the day after you're getting knocked out of the MLS cup playoffs. And we should tell people right now, as we record this, you and I are both rocking our LAFC hats the day after, of course. And, and you know, that that's when, that's when we all stick together. That's when we look forward to seeing the 32 52 again. That's when we look forward to getting back to the bank and watching the black and gold do exactly what they do best. And that's play great soccer, beautiful soccer on the field. Keep representing. And the good part is now as a fan, you could say you've been through all kinds of experiences and that makes you a fan. That toughens up your skin to where you're like, oh, I know I've been there. 
This is, a, I was there from the beginning and I was there when we were in 2019 and I was there when we struggled in 2020. Let's, let's wrap it up really quickly with the CONCACAF Champions League. It gives the league, it gives the team another shot. Can they win a trophy? It will take a monumental effort and they're going to face teams that are all playing right now. The good news is, although LAFC would like another game, they're not coming completely out of the cold as they did when they beat Leon. And now they'll have games. You would assume everyone, all hands will be on deck for that one off against Cruz Azul, December the 16th in Orlando. You win that, you probably get Club America in the semifinals, whatever it is. And the experience would be great. I hope it's more than one. I think LAFC can, can be a more than one game in that tournament. Fully loaded. They are good enough. I think there's a little bit of a shine off some of the Mexican clubs and LAFC with what they did against Leon, although it was a long time ago, has proven that. But it's great to know that. I mean, we have to wait a bit, like two, three weeks, but we have a game on the horizon against a great opponent. This is, these are the perks of being an LAFC supporter. Well, first of all, I think the club should probably send you and I down there to do just a bunch <laughs> of social down in Orlando to be a part of the, of the coverage surrounding what's going to da- happen down there uh, against against the Cementeros. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a tough game. You know, I, I don't know what the game plan is for those next three weeks for the club. Um, if it's me uh, and I'm Bob Bradley, especially after the disappointment of last night, I'm, give, I'm giving my team a little bit of space for, you know, three, four days, go get your, get your mind, right. Take, you know, take your mind off everything. And then let's come back and let's get back to work. Because if I told you that part of the storyline was getting knocked out in the first round of the MLS cup, but then that you get to continue your journey and an opportunity to maybe get to a final for a region, a world, a regional world tournament, the CONCACAF champions league final and have an opportunity to win that competition. I think that's a pretty good carrot hanging out in the future uh, for LAFC. So I, you know, I, I think this is a golden opportunity, but hopefully this hangover of getting knocked out by Seattle doesn't last too long. And like you said, all hands on deck, you could have, you know, the four internationals that tested positive back, uh, you know, recovered from COVID and ready to go and no one else, you know, hands together praying, no one else uh, suffers that similar fate. And yes, uh, offensively, there's no question LAFC has what it takes to battle against Cruz Azul. Defensively, the insertion of Murillo, more practice time with him and Segura together, um, and even the back four all together, uh, I say back five, even if I include Cisniega, getting things just totally in sync, uh, LAFC could be a formidable opponent and maybe make a run at this thing. This this tournament has been built uh, in a way where it's, it's reaching out uh, to the an olive branch to these uh, major league soccer clubs to give them for an opportunity sure with a single thing so it's a good spot so even though it seems like a and not having amount, to go to mexico not, not having, having to go to mexico not having to go to mexico so don't be surprised if lafc can put it together in bob we trust and we'll look forward to it hey mark i hope we get some we hope we get down there to orlando and and be able to cover it. but we'll see the request is in if not we'll eat some tacos in la fair enough Mark Rogandino, the real Rogandino. Is that right on, on Instagram? The real the, Rogo on real. IG, at mrogandino on Twitter. Thanks for keeping up, Bredos. All right, pal. You know, I got a lot on my mind, but always good to chat with you. And good effort with the Movember. The stash looks really good, and we'll talk pretty soon, my friend. And a reminder for everyone to please rate, review, and subscribe to Inside LAFC. We'll continue to be here for you and getting cool guests and great conversations. We'll see you guys out there real soon. Oh, yes! They knocked on the door and they 
Three.